Hey everybody, Phil here, about to listen to episode 3 of the Jordan Rewind podcast. Naeem and I discuss the Chicago Bulls at the LA Clippers from November 1997. The Bulls were on their last dance, they'd not started the season particularly well. This game was a good one to watch and a fun one to discuss. So please sit back, enjoy for the next 45 minutes our take on it. I will tell you at this point there was a few technical issues at the start of the recording. It doesn't start in the way that we wanted to with hellos and stuff like that. It just seems to go into me saying, Phil here, and then we go with it. So please bear that in mind when you're listening, but hope you enjoy it. And here we are, LA Clippers, Chicago Bulls, November 97. Here's our take. Phil here, and I'm here with Naeem. Say hello, Naeem. What's good, Phil? How are you? Mate, I'm I'm average. I'll freely admit it's been a long couple of weeks, uh, especially work. That's probably why this podcast has been delayed as as long as it has. We did want to get this out sooner, but yeah, blame me, everyone. Um, We wanted to do it sooner, just stuff going on in life. How are you? I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. I'm back at work uh, full time with limited hours, which is nice. So get some get some routine back in my life. Uh, I've been playing ball in my local court when it's not been raining, which is basically two days out of the last ten. So yeah, things are right. Looking up, looking up. Can't be a bit of typical British weather. We've got to May. You expect the sun to be out, but no, every single day at the moment we seem to be having rain. But it is nice to hear that you've been back at the basketball court. I am so happy that I've been able to get in the gym and actually yeah. uh, work on my physical and mental fitness. Um, although, as I say, the, the last couple of weeks with work and 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 so on and so forth, it, it's been it's been a struggle. I think yeah. I think that's the best way to put it. So, with all that said, um, and I'm going to have to give a disclaimer to everybody at the start in, in case this podcast goes a little bit awry at any point, and I have to do a bit of, of like, um, what's the best word to say? I, I'm going to say jiggery poker, but really what I mean is um, bad editing. Um, it's just because uh, my little boy is not well. Uh, he's in bed at the moment. That's good because uh, we're recording this at like half nine at night. But if at any point uh, during this podcast you hear me say some kind of expletive and then have to rush off, it's just because, yeah, he's under the weather at the moment and I've just got to go and deal with it. Um, so hopefully we will be able to get all of this podcast done with no children crying, but we'll see how it goes. So, if it- Oh, pardon me. Episode three of the um, Jordan Rewind is what game is it, Naeem? You can tell everyone. Chicago at LA Clippers, November 1997. Jordan's uh, season high in points and all around a great game. A great, great game. I totally agree. I, uh, with a caveat, it's a great game um, because we are both avid Michael Jordan fans Um, anybody who's listened to episode 1 and 2 of this podcast know that it was not a great game from a showcase for the Chicago Bulls yeah yeah good yeah very important caveat yeah let's be honest I mean they they started the game terribly they they played so badly sluggish uh, one of the worst games I've seen them begin and that Clippers team was uh, was you know not not awful 
they they had some young talent. They had some physical talent, a couple of uh, veterans. Uh, but the Bulls came out and they were just sleepwalking. See, I think that you were being very nice there. And don't get me wrong, the Clippers in this game, the way they started and the way they played pretty much throughout, they were up for it. They were energetic. They were blocking so many shots. (laughs) But this is not the Clippers of the Lob City era or the Clippers (laughs) that you currently see with the likes of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George on there. This is 1990s LA Clippers. This is, you know, them and the Dallas Mavericks of those times were basically battling for who could finish last in the NBA when it came to standings. But the Clippers, the Bulls were making the Clippers look a lot better than they actually were at that time. They were, yeah. Perennially, the Clippers were the bottom of the league uh, year after year. Um, and the Bulls, I mean, the first quarter, you could see that Chicago was not up for the game. Just one of those, uh, I mean, they had a bad start to the year. Obviously, Pippen was out with the foot injury for the first 35 games. And the Bulls just came out so flat. And the Clippers, like, as, as uh, Jordan and Bill Jackson have often said, anytime you go and play a team when you're a team like the Bulls, that team gets up for you and it plays the best it can possibly play because they want to beat you because you're the Bulls, you're the world champions. So it's a big game for the Clippers and for the Bulls. It just really wasn't. It was just a, a ho-hum November game on the road after a poor start. And that first quarter, the Clippers, like you said, just came out and had a terrific start. Well, I mean, the Bulls were always blighted every season by the fact that pretty early in the in in every season, they had to go on what they called the the circus road trip. So the the, the circus came into the United Centre, and so the Bulls had to go on normally a West Coast road trip that would last seven, maybe eight games whilst the circus was in town. Um, it was interesting to to see, given the fact that. We'd just come off two seasons. Obviously, there's 72 and 10 season of uh, 96. And then in 97, people forget that they almost did it again. Yeah. Um, they, they won 69 games. And if it wasn't for the fact that they had key injuries down the stretch of the season and they finished losing three three out of four games, mm-hmm. they'd have gone back-to-back 70-win seasons. Yeah. Um, but then those two things, those two seasons happening back-to-back meant it was even more jarring to see how lethargic and flat and and flat out struggling yeah. they they started that 97-98 season. Yeah, it's absolutely right. I mean, it shows the value that Pippin brought to to the later era Bulls teams. Um, Jordan was going to be Jordan. We all know that. But Pippin, what he did was he really set the tempo, uh, particularly on defence for that team. He allowed, he allowed Jordan to be Jordan in his later years I mean Jordan's 34 entering this season turns 35 in February and Pippen just was such a master at controlling the tempo of the game and doing all the little things that he needed to do it's been said so many times Pippen could dominate a game scoring five points and it's absolutely true he does all the little things all the intangibles so his presence and the fact that he was the de facto point guard for the Bulls they didn't really have a pure point guard but he would initiate the offense he would often bring the ball up and he, of course, was the lead on defense and he set the tone. So, taking him out of it, the Bulls really struggled despite Jordan being great. And, you know, they still had Rodman, they still had Kukoc, and they still had that core unit. But Pippen's absence was severely felt. Yeah. Uh, and we all know from watching The Last Dance and fans of the game like you and I probably knew that it was it was really Pippen's way of saying F you to management on. <laughs> 
yeah. on what was going on with his contract and the, and the fact that he decided to leave his um con- his, his to the surgery on this injury so yeah. late into yeah. um the end of the the off season and and it, and it was showing as i say I, I watched the game and thought back to it was such a classic nj performance but yeah I can't remember during the six championship seasons watching a, a, a more lethargic and and kind of a little bit boring um, Bulls team. It, it, yeah. it, I, I can't recall one. Um, definitely not off the top of my head. Yeah, no, you're right. It's true. They had but, some. They had some rough playoff games where they they played poorly, but the energy was there. They just couldn't make a shot. This game, like you say, lethargic. They couldn't match the intensity of the Clippers by any means until, well, for most of the first half. Well, I mean, that, that first quarter, I remember one, the, the one, for everyone listening, we, tr- we try to, to let you know how we watch these games. And I've said in previous episodes, for me, most of the games that we're going to watch in this series, I'm going to source through YouTube. YouTube has got so many um, games on there and all you have to do is pretty much search the, the keywords what you're looking for I watched this game on YouTube um, somebody called Release the Kraken um, had put the full game on there it was the LA Clippers um, broadcast of the game so you got Ralph Lawler Bingo and uh, Bill Walton I always love listening to Bill Walton oh I love um, me and my brother yeah me and my brother love Bill Walton we've got so many injuries it, it always reminds me of watching kind of around those 96 games when he was on NBC and some, and Marv Albert just set him up and say, so Bill, what, what would you have done in that situation? And he'd always say something like, I'd have grabbed the rebound and slapped yeah. it in his face. Oh, don't yeah. Like yeah. yeah, of course you would, Bill. That's what Dikembe Mutombo <laughs> would have allowed you to do. Yeah. So, um, But yeah, always fun to listen to him on, on a broadcast because he's a little bit out there. But one of the stats that they, they did bring up was I bearing in mind I understand it was the era the late 90s the the pace of the game slowed down dramatically and it was more of a defensive battle but the Bulls to that point bearing in mind this was the 12th game of the season and the Bulls were a meager six and five on the season and naught and four on the road they'd lost all of their road games at this point the Bulls were averaging just over 88 points a game, which was good for 28th in the NBA, which at that time, there was only 29 teams. Yeah, <laughs> yeah shocking. It's that it's a kind of a shocking stat. It speaks to the slow pace, the fewer possessions. It also speaks to just how, uh, you know, how, I guess I don't want to say poorly, but the, the Bulls were not necessarily an offensive powerhouse by the end of the 97 season going into 98. Jordan would get his 30 but outside of Pippen there wasn't there was never a consistent score outside of Jordan and Pippen and even Pippen wasn't always consistently scoring um, you had Kukoc who was streaky you had Longley who would give you 8 to 10 points Robin wasn't a scorer Kerr could hit occasional shots but I think not, not meaning to be controversial I think Kerr has been slightly overrated by the last dance personally um, I think uh, Steve Kerr and don't get me wrong awesome role player yeah. step in fill a role I think Steve Kerr's role as a player has probably been inflated so much by, his, by yeah. the way that he coaches that's a good way of putting it yeah 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 exactly that's, that's a really good way of putting it he was he wasn't he was not quite 
the crucial key that they make it out to be. Um, no, he, he certainly hit some big shots. He did. He did play well, and he had some big moments. But he was not. He was never the third or fourth option, like it, like it betrays slightly in the last dance. Just get out there. Of course, and we've got to say this. And no, I'll, I'll mention it in a minute because we'll move on to the second quarter. But that the end of that first quarter, the the Clippers were already up. 27 to 14 yeah. by the end of the first. The Bulls scored 14 points, yeah, 14 points. In the, against the LA Clippers in the first yeah. quarter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so then we move on to the second and I always seem to remember this guy and I think it was just because he was quite plucky and <laughs> I wondered more about his backstory but second quarter starts and in to the game comes one of the greatest named NBA players I think I've ever heard uh, Rusty LaRue Rusty LaRue yeah. and yeah. maybe it's a it's a, a sign of how much the Bulls were possibly struggling at that early point in the season and that's not to take anything away from Rusty because as I say in this game I genuinely enjoyed what he brought to the court yeah um, but this guy starts the second quarter for the for, for the Bulls. Um, part, in part, I think because as we were just talking about, Steve Kerr's injured. He's he's not available for this game. Ron yeah. Harper is struggling. Yeah. He's obviously got some kind of injury, and so they're starting a guy who they literally have just signed from the CBA. <laughs> um, I think it's the. Did they, I haven't got it in front of me. I, I want to say the Idaho Stampede. I think that's it, the yeah, that's the one. He's <laughs> the, yeah. the team that was mentioned, and he's gone from earning I don't know three and a half. They they, they reckon he was probably paid about three and a half thousand dollars a month yeah. for, in the CBA, and all of a sudden he was earning that per game with yeah. the Bulls. <laughs> that's a life change. That's a turnaround. Um, and if nothing else, Rusty Larue did not play a big part in that '98 championship season, but he did get to see all of those games from the closest possible seat in the house. He did, and you know what? The dude looks like he can play as well. He has a good game. He's got, like you say, he's plucky as hell. He's confident. He's got energy. He hits a couple of big shots, and he he plays with confidence. He plays like he's been in the league for a few years, um, and he was rarely seen again after that. I think he played the game before when they lost in Phoenix. That was his first NBA game. But man, you know, he comes up and he, and he hits some big shots and it makes me wonder why he didn't get more of a role. I mean, you, you kind of take the words out of my mouth there. Yeah, you look around at like the um, role-playing point guards that the Bulls had across those six championship seasons and you look at what Rusty LaRue brings to the court in that game and, and you're right, he seems plucky, energetic, he's got a bit of speed to him. Yeah. And yet, players like Steve Kerr and John Paxson before him yeah. got kind of stuck around that you know they managed to make it stick and yet he didn't and it just I suppose it it said to what people what people within the organization assess talent on yeah. and things like that but in this game you know Rusty LaRue fantastic performance as far as I was concerned really? um, I don't want to ruin it for anyone, but he finishes with eight points. But this this second quarter, six of them, six of those points come in in this second quarter, hit some key jump shots. Yeah, single-handedly taken over the game, Rusty the Root. <laughs> exactly, Team Rusty. I'm definitely <laughs> on Team Rusty, 100. Yeah. Um, and he was the 
lone bright spot at the start of that second quarter because at one point it ballooned to the Clippers were leading 36-18. Yeah, 36-18. That's the high of that season for the Clippers. That's the high point. That's the high watermark for that as a team doubling up on the balls at home. I mean, yeah, (laughs) crazy. i got to give a couple of mentions to a couple of Clippers players before I get on to, to Jordan's performance. Uh, Maurice Taylor has the game of his life. Hundred percent. He played so well. My days, he was going at the Bulls at Rodman. Um, it shows again that the Bulls they did have some tr- trouble with young, athletic uh, power forwards with good size. They gave those type of players did give the Bulls trouble. Sean Kemp was one of them. Um, if they can keep their head, Alonzo Mourning was not because he had no head game by then. Um, head game, like that. But you know what I mean, like. And then you have uh, Lamont Murray um, and Lorenzo Wright playing really well, a couple of veterans for the Clippers. And they were just giving the Bulls buckets, getting boards, playing out of their skin, playing up to the level of the Bulls, and they looked really strong. But what I know... Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I was, I was just going to totally agree with what you were saying. But both of those players were the standouts. And bearing in mind, probably most players of that... most Sorry, fans of that era would probably have said the most famous player on... The, that Clippers team was Brent Barry because he yeah. won a, a dunk competition. Yeah, exactly. And he has he plays well as well. If he has going all out, but here's what I noticed about that second quarter was when Jordan began to turn it up. Now, by that point in his career, there's a few things that really stand out when I watch him play. So he's 34 at this time. He's got nothing left to prove. He's he's lording over the NBA. He's so far removed from anybody else. It's not even a question. He's untouchable. The way he plays this game. He's so clearly on another level to every other player there. He is literally untouchable. There's nothing the Clippers do to him that bother him. I'm not. It's not just because of the number he gets, the, the season high. It's the way he plays. He, he decides to turn it on in the second quarter. He just turns the dial up a little bit. He's clearly pacing himself and he gets a nice rest at the end of the first, uh, beginning of the second. He comes back on, hits a couple of jumpers, but what he starts doing is every little thing. He starts boxing out. He starts getting rebounds. He starts leading the break. He starts moving the ball. And starts really playing tight defense, and that sets a real tone for the ball, and they all start to elevate just because he's doing it by example. Which just, which to to watch at his age, the way he he goes about operating is is something else. Yeah, it, as, you, as you say, it was the little things he was doing in that second quarter because at the end of the set, at the end of the first half, Jordan had only got nine points. Yeah, in that second quarter, you're right. He he picked it up. He decided we're not playing well, and so I'm going to do all the little things. I'm going to lead by example, and yep. we're going to turn this thing around. And we we praise the Clippers because, like we said, they doubled up the balls, and then just like that, it went all on its head. Yeah. They they went one for in from the field. Yeah, the balls really started picking it up. Luke Longley was playing well oh. um, in that in that first half. He was definitely picking up the slack. Yeah. Um, and and getting buckets and rebounds as well. Mm. And all in all, when it when the second quarter was done, the Clippers had gone two for eighteen um, to finish the, the second quarter. And that thirty six eighteen lead that they held at roughly the halfway point yeah. dwindled all the way to they they were leading forty two forty one. Yeah. Oh, just like that, brutal. And, and it's that's a mainstay of that Bulls team is their defense was absolutely suffocating when they turned it on which they they didn't always do 
they sometimes would, would ease off the pressure. But when they turned it on, even at their age, and they were such an old team by that point, they just clamped down brutally. And they weren't necessarily a physical team. They're not going to hit you at the rim like the Knicks and the Pacers would back then. But they would grind you down. They would just shrink the court, shrink the passing lanes, overplay you, force you into bad shots. I mean, I think at one point, Bill Walton says that you can't really shoot off the dribble against Bulls because they're too good defensively. They, they, they'll take that shot away. You have to have ball movement and player movement. And they just squeezed the court and the Clippers just... they they I mean, they were still fighting. They were frazzled. They were really rattled by that second quarter. And it was just a massive turnaround. Also, what helped frazzle them was Dennis Rodman thought that he was playing for the 1991 Detroit Pistons again <laughs> and he properly went on a flag or a foul on Brent Barrow. Yeah. <laughs> he did, <actually>. <laughs> <laughs> decided for whatever Dennis reason that he was just yeah. going to throw him to the floor and bored. Uh, and get some kind of flagman out of it which was yeah. I, I think I was surprised when I, when I saw it back because the last dance in particular they made out about Dennis being like this model citizen and he really <laughs> stepped up when Scotty was out injured and yeah. and you know, Dennis had his usual Dennis Rodman type game. I think, he, well, I, I know that he's here in front of me. 10 points, 14 rebounds. Mm. A nice double-double for Dennis. Yeah. But um, it was in that moment I was there thinking, well, maybe he wasn't the model player that yeah. the last dance wanted to picture him to be. Yeah, yeah he's still Dennis. He still do his thing. <laughs> so, as we say, like Jordan had his career high um, for the... 98 season in this game but yeah he finished the first half with nine points so you pretty much can probably guess what comes in the second third quarter yeah so it becomes pretty much a back and forth game um the leads uh I, I don't have numbers in front of me like before so i apologize for that but it's it's a close game the clippers are still they have their stretches. Uh, Murray plays well. Maurice Taylor continues to, to play really well when he comes on. Limited minutes. I think at some point in the late third, he played like 70 minutes and had like 14, 9, and, and, and 2 blocks. And it ridiculous. He was playing really well. Um, and But this is this is the Bulls' wheelhouse. Close games, on the road. They're very, very comfortable. And they're playing very comfortably. And you have a sense that they can, they can go another level up. And the Clippers are playing the best they can possibly play to stay with the Bulls in Chicago. It's just kind of like, yeah, we know what we're doing. We're, we've been here a million times. Jordan, again, is just cruising, just playing on another another plateau. He, he, he's just, they can't get near him. He's, he's so clearly above anything the Clippers can do by this point in his career. Well, I have got some figures in front of me. He, he went scored nine points in the first six minutes of the third. And by the end of the third quarter, he was on 23 for the game. Um, so he he just picked it up. Um, Q coach um, or Q coach, sorry, um, had a decent third quarter. He he started to to pick up his game because yeah. the Bulls needed it. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, again, the Clippers were playing as you said. They were up for it. They knew that the best team in the NBA, the, the last two World uh, Championship winners, were in the house and and they had to step up um, and Tony Q coach decided to step up in, in that quarter as well um, third quarter so Mike Mike kind of came alive and so finished the third they're all even seven, 70 apiece at the end of the third and then on to the fourth and again it just it just stays tight now at this point you're watching this game and my 
even though I know what happens in the game, when you watch it as it's happening, you expect at some point the Clippers to just run out of gas. Okay, they've had a nice game. All right, now here come the Bulls and they kind of clap it up and turn it around. But they're still there. They're still playing. They're still scoring. Uh, I think uh, Pooh Richardson has a decent game. He has a couple of uh, nice fourth quarter moments. And Jordan's there just kind of biding his time again. He's, he's pacing himself well. But what he's doing in this game, it's a bit of a throwback, like you said at the start. It's a throwback performance to when he was younger. He would just carry the ball from the shoulders and just do a little bit of everything, starting from scoring. And to see him still doing this at 34 years old, with all the, the mileage on his legs, all the championship runs, he's still able to just click his fingers and, and take over the game by himself, is quite remarkable to see. Yeah, I mean, he, he what, scored 14 in the third, another 11 in the fourth. Yeah. Um, you've got, it did make me smile during the game because um, Bill Wennington had just come back to the team um, off a, a little stint on the on the injured list. Yeah. And his contribution to the game was six fouls in seven minutes. Yeah, that is remarkable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Bill Walton was even joking that Joe Klein might have to take his warm-ups off and, yeah. and, and get on the court because yeah. uh, Bill Wennington obviously wasn't quite ready to come back to play um, in this one. And and the, the thing that was still sticking with me in this fourth quarter was the Clippers still look sharper than the Bulls. Mm. They still look like they were one step quicker. They, 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 they seem to want it more. But yeah. we'll also know any person who is a Jordan fan and, and has watched highlights from that season, two beautiful Jordan dunks. Oh God, yeah, back to back. Oh, I mean that yeah. base, first baseline spin. I mean a classic Jordan move, left hand dribble. Look to the middle, quick turn, give a baseline drive, and he gets pushed. Could have been a three-point play. He gets clear shot. Should back. have been. Yeah, as he had based the referee on the blind side, couldn't see it. But it's why his elevation looks pretty quick. He just gets pushed by uh, Lamont Murray, I believe it was, who burned up. And then, uh, and then the next one, a couple of uh, your possession later, was even bigger. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the second one more. I, I like anything where he gets out in the open court. And, yeah. And he's just got a clear break, breakaway. I preferred the second one to the first, but you're right. The, the spin for the first dunk was was like next level. M- Mike showing his difference to everyone else. Lamont Le- Murray didn't know which way to turn. Yeah. <laughs> and and so the, those, those lovely slam dunks, uh, which kind of brings us down towards the end of the, the end of the game. Mike's on 34 points by this point. Um, he fouls Brent Barry with uh, about 10 seconds left and Brent Barry who I'm pretty sure off the top of my head I didn't write it down I think they were saying it was like a 92 or 93% uh, free throw shooter for his career naturally he, scored, he hits both and the game's tied uh, Mike gets a, a, a shot off a potential game winner but it's it's a bit of a weird one he almost like kind of takes this weird step back yeah yes on the shot it's it, he didn't get his feet set properly at all yeah um and it ends up being almost more of a push shot than a than a jump shot yeah um it, it comes off the back rim the clippers get the rebound with i think 0.5 of a second left um and they're not able to do anything with it yeah and so the fourth quarter ends and it's 92 all overtime so yeah overtime which I'm pretty sure when you're on the road um, for eight games and you can see the Clippers are on your schedule you really really are, are not thinking that you're going to go to overtime 
with the Clippers yeah. if you're the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, you want to get this game done. Get out, get home, get out of there, get back to the next one. So another stat that popped up early in that, well, I say early, early to midway through that first overtime was the Clippers were the first team to get to 100 points. Yeah. And again, the commentary team points out that the Bulls at that point had only hit 100 points once <laughs> that season. Yeah, another shock. And yeah, I, I'm sitting there going, like, I, I regard myself as, you know, a really big fan, but I'd forgotten things like this. Yeah, yeah. They, how, how different it was back then compared to, compared to now. The game, I mean, like, like you said before, the pace of it. I mean, they, they lost to the Clippers, uh, sorry, they lost to the Cavs uh, 73-70 early in that year as well, which was just crazy. Yeah, and there was there was another game shortly before this where they beat the Spurs in overtime, but at the end of regulation, Mike hit a three to right. take it to overtime, and it was 73 apiece yeah. at the end of regulation. <laughs> I, and you're right, you, you're watching games in... 2021, and it's 73 points a piece at half time. Yeah, <laughs> still well. Um, which I know makes it for a more exciting game for for the new generation mm. that are, are watching NBA basketball. And I don't want to sound like a grumpy old man. I don't. I, you know, I I'm in my 40s, so I, I've been watching basketball for a long time. Yeah. Um, but I prefer the grind it out. 90s style of basketball. Yeah, so um, like you, you watch games like this, and and I have an appreciation for it, but I'm not sure whether the, the new school would appreciate it. The mid range. Oh god. Oh the mid range. <laughs> oh, I could just wax lyrical about the mid range all day because like it's just it's it's such an efficient way. Of, well, I say efficient. It's probably it's not considered efficient necessarily these days. But if you can if you can shoot off the dribble, you can get a shot anytime you want, and that's a fact. It doesn't matter how how well you've been guarded. If you if you have the ability to drive hard to the rim, stop on the dime, elevate, and get clear for a good look at the rim, like Jordan could his entire career, then you can dominate. It's it's really that simple. Oh, mid range, love it. Exactly. Well, nowadays you either take a layup or a three, and you don't bother with anything in between. But anyway, back to this game. So yeah. Um, <laughs> The Bulls, at this point uh, in the season, have only hit 100 points once to that point. Um, Luke Longley sets his, his career high for points scored, 22 of them. 22 big ones. Um, to go with 17 rebounds as well. Yeah, I mean, really. Luke, had, Luke had a monster night. Yeah. Yeah. And he, to be fair, he was... Uh, it it kind of shows the talent that a player like Longley does have. I mean, I know that, you know, NBA players are all obviously best in the world you look at Longley he was never dominant and he was often foul prone but you see how good these NBA players really are when they're in their rhythm and they, they have a, a game like this Clippers couldn't do anything with him I mean he's dominating the paint jumpers hooks dunks rebounds 17 rebounds I mean the guy gave his, gave his career yeah uh, as I say I, I thought that he really showed out in this game yeah. um, it's amazing to think that the Bulls just absolutely managed to wring these kind of performances out of him because as soon as he finished his run with the Bulls he was pretty much out of the league yeah um, not long after that he had a stint in Phoenix that's right um, I, I do think the injuries got the better of him as well but he he, he didn't really do anything after this season um, yeah. so to watch and see him put 22 and 17 
was was quite nice. Um, yeah. It was a good Luke Longley performance, and we always love a good Luke Longley performance. Yeah. Um, but brings us to the the end of the first overtime, and yeah. I I'm going to put my hands up here. The reason that I picked this game um, was because I posted something. Uh, here comes the shameless plug part. Where um, so my Instagram page, if people are listening and don't um, follow already, my Instagram page is uh, at weekside underscore MJ, and I posted uh, a few weeks back the end of this first overtime. Uh, Mike gets fouled and goes to the line for two with about uh, roughly about fifteen seconds left in the game uh, in the first overtime, and he steps the line, misses the first one, and thinks you can tell he's thinking okay what am I going to do now um, yeah. and <laughs> yeah. he deliberately misses the second yeah and <laughs> Ralph Lawless says on the play is he that good and naturally I want to say yeah it is Ralph yes <laughs> um, but he, he he misses the second and places it so well as in he when he shot that free throw it's almost like he knew right, I'm going to hit the rim at that point and the ball is going to come off at that angle and I'm going to go and get the rebound. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> he, he gets the rebound from the second miss free throw, mm-hmm. uh, resets just outside the three-point line and then drives and hits a, a beautiful layup Yeah. Uh, to tie the game at, at 102. Yeah. It's just, it's crazy because at that point, there was a point before that where it was 102.98 to the Clippers and the Bulls should have lost that game they were down by four with about what 25-30 seconds remaining yeah, and that's, that could have been game that's that's it and I'm thinking I, I'm watching this thinking this is it how, how did the Clippers lose this game even Jordan couldn't make up four points in 25 seconds well we know he can but it's unlikely and yet like you say he does this and he, he just he clangs the free throw off the back of the room he, he, he demonstrates that moment something again that I've picked up watching Jordan all these years he always gets to the ball he always comes up with the ball somehow he's got massive hands he's obviously strong his instincts to go to the ball when there's a loose ball situation he almost always comes up with it same in game 5 in Utah this is a free throw somehow scrambles and he comes up with the ball and there's four players around him I don't know how he does this but he, he always seems to get that loose ball like I said resets three point play and it kind of again just goes back to what I said about he's just in, he's in such control of the situation he's just playing this game like a puppet I mean he brings the ball out you know he's going to score he's so calm and one layup, exactly what he wanted to do to make up for the missed first free throw. Back to the line, three-point play, one-point game again. It's, it's crazy. Well, and then he did all this, but the Clippers still have eight seconds left to do something with it. And this is probably shows up the Clippers for being uh, the team that they were at that point because they they had a chance at the end of regulation and and couldn't do anything with it. And then they have eight seconds which is an eternity yeah. at the end of a basketball game and they managed to shoot an air ball yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the person shooting the air ball was um, Derek Martin and I'm pretty sure don't please don't quote me on this but I'm pretty sure that Derek Martin was someone who had irked Mike before oh yeah he's got history with Jordan yeah more yeah he'd, he'd said something to him whilst he was on the bench for I think it might have been the, the Grizzlies I want to say the Grizzlies and Possibly. and Ma- and Mike heard what he was saying and just, yeah, yeah torched him. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, overtime two. So, uh, 102 each at the end of overtime one. So, we go to overtime two. 
Yeah, and at this point, the Clippers just, they were shot. And the Bulls' defense, again, just, it, they just strangled them. You know, uh, the Bulls pull away. I don't have the score. You, you, I assume you have the stats and you probably know better than me, but the Bulls just pull away and they, they put them out of their misery. Yeah, I mean, they, when you say they run out of gas, yeah, they, they literally had nothing left in the tank. They, they don't score. The Clippers do not score in the in the second overtime. So, yeah. um, Bulls score nine. Mike scores all nine of them. Uh, the, the, the stat I've got in front of me is uh, when they went to overtime, the Bulls scored 19 points across the two overtimes yeah. and uh, NJ scored 15 of those 19. <laughs> that's just that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh. When people talk about him being like the ultimate kind of clutch closer, um, yeah. and and yeah, there was there were shots that you missed and and things like that. But to to take over a game where you score fifteen of nineteen during the overtimes, and I know that like the the, the new score, we'll, we'll talk about LeBron and the, the performance he had against the Pistons in yeah. the the two thousand and seven playoffs. But yeah. this guy was the one that set the standard. Everyone that's doing it after him, in my opinion, is just has learnt it from him. Yeah, no, no, I agree. Um, and yeah, there might be people that would listen to this and, and have followed basketball for a lot longer than I have that would talk about players that came before Jordan, but um, it, they're just not catalogued. This guy, at, at the time he was doing this and still against the standards that we've got today, was just on that next level. Completely, completely. This is a guy who's he's been dominating the league for this is his 13th season at the time. Um, he's he's had the time off. He's on the way to a second repeat, which is unprecedented. I don't see that happening ever again. And the fact that he can still do this when, as has been said so many times, the whole building knows he's going to get the ball. The entire defense is focused on him. There's no real second uh, threat on the balls by this point consistently. And he still finds a way to get his points and score and dominate and get the shots he wants. I mean, like I said earlier, at this point in his career, there was no defensive scheme that could do anything with Jordan. I mean, a couple of teams played him well. Pacers played him well in the playoffs. But there was no shutting him down. When you compare that to how, uh, you know, a physically prime Jordan uh, was was often, kind of, I want to say contained, but he was challenged by the Pistons, challenged by the Knicks. There was no team at that point by 98 that really gave Jordan any problems. He was so poised, so smart, knew his game inside out, knew what he could do, knew what he didn't need to do anymore. He was just completely untouchable. You're not going to hear an argument from me, but that's not really surprising when we're two people that front a podcast called The Jordan Rewind. Massive. Um, so, yeah, game finishes, 111 to the Bulls, 102 to the Clippers. Jordan's line for the game, 52 minutes, 49 points on 18 of 38 from the field um, and 13 of 19 at the free throw line. So not your typical kind of free throw performance from yeah. Mike, but at the same time made it more exciting. The fact that obviously he, he obviously missed those two free throws at the end of the first overtime, but did what he did. You, you can forgive him for that. Yeah. Um, I get all of my stats from basketball-reference.com for anyone that does care about that kind of thing. Um, five rebounds, five assists, one steal, one block, four turnovers. We'll try and turn a blind eye to that. Um, the, the main thing that I noticed when I looked at, at the, the stat website that I use, um, the Clippers broadcast crew gave him an extra rebound and an extra assist. Did they? <laughs> 
Um, they were saying that he had six of each, but um, I'm going to trust basketballreference.com. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, with that said, and that being his stat line, we, we do our usual thing where we, we grade the game. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of game importance, yeah. out of 10, Naeem, what are you giving this game? See, this is a tough one for me because uh, I have to put it in the context of that season. Um, the way the ball started, every game was pretty crucial because they didn't start that well. I'm going to give it, uh, I'm going to, I can't decide between a seven and an eight, which might sound high to for a game against the Clippers, but every win at that point was important. No Clipping, you're not guaranteed to win a third straight. You need those wins, especially on the road. I'm going to say, I'll say seven out of ten. Okay, I, I've given them a seven out of ten because I was thinking the same as you, which was the the season had started that poorly for them yeah. that unfortunately a November game against the Clippers had become quite important. <laughs> yeah, um, to try and kickstart the season um, for them, I couldn't give them higher than that because I was mindful that when we did the Knicks game, uh, the playoff game last time, we gave that an eight. Yeah. And to give the, this one an eight, I was like, right, I can't do that. But it still was quite important. So totally going to agree with you um, on the on the game importance score. So we'll, we'll give them give him a seven for that. Um, opponent strength. <laughs> yeah, but I couldn't get higher than a two. Really, you know, it was just not a, not a strong team. Really, not not a high performing team for the majority of the decade. No arguments from me. <laughs> no arguments. I, I I toyed with the one, but yeah. I will also. Uh, that would go against what I said about them during the game, where I did admire the performance that they put in. Um, yes, in terms of strength of the team at that time, not great, but they they did step up and they they had some really plucky performances from, as you mentioned, like Maurice T- T- uh, Taylor and yeah. um, Lamont Murray in particular, uh, two that stand out. They, they really brought it to the ball. So, yeah, we'll go with two on that. Um, Mike scoring. Well, 10. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, see, I, I'll be honest, I gave him a nine. Oh, Phil. I, only because... <laughs> it, it, it gets really difficult and it's going to get more difficult as we do more of these podcasts because yeah. how do you grade like a game when he gets like say 49 against a game when he gets 55 yeah. when he gets 61 when he 69 you know how yeah. do we do it I, I gave him a 9 I, I thoroughly enjoyed the game um, one one that I truly enjoy watching um, yeah. but so if, if I give him a 9 and you give him a 10 which which score are we going to go with? We can, are we allowed to split, or do you want to keep it even numbers? I I try to keep it even numbers. Okay. I'm a bit anal like that. Okay, so my argument for the ten is uh, it's not just the totality; it's the importance, and they needed every every one of those forty nine. So if it had been a forty nine and they won by twenty four points in the fourth, and he'd sat most of the fourth, I probably would have given it a nine. But to me, the scoring as well as the high number is the importance of the scoring. So that's why I gave it a ten. Okay. Yeah, great argument. <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm simply going on the yeah. Okay, how do we do it again? But yeah, I, I'm not going to argue against like watching my drop 49 on any team. So yeah, we'll we'll go with 10. Right. Uh, MJ's physical condition. Uh, well, again, possibly a bit ambiguous because he was struggling with uh, some wrist 
uh, tendonitis. It was. That year and a, and a finger problem. So really, I mean, it's not gonna it's not gonna limit Jordan that much. He's gonna get his he's gonna play through it, obviously. But I'm gonna give him a, I'll see, I'll give him a four. Okay. And yeah, I agree with that. I know that he got some mind or ailments and and just the physical toil of having to pick this team up at this low point that they were going through. But yeah, four, four seems to be the to me. And finally, legendary status of this game. Uh, yeah, again, one I, I find it hard to, I found it difficult to, to give a number for this because any performance like this is is going to go down in, in the annals of great Michael Jordan games. Uh, but again, it, yeah. uh, again, the last half season. So I've given it a six because I really couldn't, couldn't tell where I should put this game obviously compared to the Boston game compared to the any Knicks game we can't really compare it to that importance but 6 out of 10 just because his last year with the Bulls he's a, an older mature player still for him to still do this type of thing at his age is, is pretty legendary to me okay and I'll go with that because I'd, I'd actually written down 5 or a 6 okay. not we're still sitting on the fence so <laughs> if, if I'd put 5 or a 6 let, yeah we'll, we'll go with 6 okay cool so that gives a final score for this one of 29 out of 50. Nice. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, I'd say so too. Um, and overall, just a really enjoyable game to, to watch. If, if people are listening to this, yeah, you've listened to us bang on about it. And, you know, if you're looking for any plot spoilers, we've, we've spoiled every single plot <laughs> about this game. But, at the same time, if if you're a Jordan fan or you're just interested, go and find this game. Go watch it. You'll enjoy it. Um, yeah. Mike puts in a, a typical Mike performance, and yeah, just 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 go out and give it a watch. Um, and we, we'll put some some um, clips of the game or some media up about it on the Instagram page for this podcast, which is at Jordan underscore Rewind. And whilst we're at it, Naeem, definitely plug your Insta. What is it? You can find me at uh, Baseline underscore Jordan. And I do have this game in particular. Uh, I do a series called Michael Jordan's Greatest Games, where I just pick basically what we're, what me and Phil are doing here. Is we just I pick certain games. I delve into the stats, just talk about the game. I do have this game on one of my uh, Greatest Game posts. If you scroll down, you'll find it. Just uh, numbers, what I think about the game, a couple of images and some video as well. But like Phil said, this game is a great watch. If you can find it on YouTube, watch the whole thing. It's one of the best games that year. Yeah, I've told you, everyone, just go and find Release the Kraken. Exactly. You'll, you'll, you'll find the game. Go go for it. Um, Naeem, so yes, next game, episode four. Episode it is four. your choice, my friend. Righty, it's going to be a big one. It's a good one. Episode four, it's going to be Bulls, Knicks, March 28th, 1995. Oh, yeah. Double nickel game. Oh, yeah. Mike wearing the 4-5. Wearing the 4-5. It's not to play games with you. Yeah, I've got a real... I I don't know why I've just got this real weird thing about MJ when he was wearing 45. I know that it didn't go particularly well, but I just really loved that period I think it was yeah. just the enjoyment of having Mike back in the NBA yeah, that, that meant that I, whenever I, I see him wearing that 45 I'm like yeah re- really good memories for me and yeah yeah, that game fantastic can't wait to watch it alright so with all that said thanks Naeem 
for joining me for this podcast. I've really enjoyed watching this game and, yep. and rehashing it with you. I'm looking forward to the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I say, anybody that is listening, please um, go and give us a, a, a like and a follow. Uh, um, Jordan underscore Rewind on Instagram and Naeem and I have said our personal ones go and find that as well and thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one take care, bye